Hello and welcome to State of Crime. Wednesday, two murders, lots of crime. With Kaylin and Elena. We have names today. We have Yay. names today. So, your episode this week was super fun. I'm glad you liked it. I did. I, I always like. I'm always so pleased <laughs> when I can like find one that you're like, oh, I've never heard of that, and it was fascinating. Yeah. I love doing things like that. I know. It makes me happy. So, yeah, like, it's one of those cases, I guess I'm just amazed that it's not better known. Yeah. So, we're back in Texas today. Woohoo! And I talked about it on Monday's episode about how I kind of went back and forth. Mm-hmm. We both kind of went back and forth on what we were deciding. And I had heard about this case a long time ago, and then I kind of just forgot about it, to be completely honest. And then when I came across it during my research for today, I was like, this is it. And then I spent way too much time looking for research. I was late today per usual. It was just... <laughs> well, like I said, it's just so crazy that you and I, you know, we both ended up doing serial killers, mm-hmm. which we've mostly tried to shy away from. Mm-hmm. I yeah. Mean, we haven't actively sought them, although exactly. I know I've done a fair number. And we both did what you and I usually really hate, which is... A cold the, case. Yeah, a cold case. The yeah. unsolved murder, for mm-hmm. sure. And like I said, there's a pretty good suspect for mine, but not for yours. Exactly. So my case today is the Texas Killing Fields, Ugh. which is a basically a group of victims, a lot of victims. A lot of Found victims. in a very... All in the same place. Yeah, and it's, it's fairly enclosed area. Yes, they're called the Texas Killing Fields, which it borders the Calder Oil Field, which is a 25-acre patch of land about a mile from Interstate um, 45. Now, Interstate 45 goes through the majority of the state because it connects Dallas to Houston mm-hmm. and then Houston to Galveston. Right. So it goes through a very large chunk right. of the state. And Texas is huge. Yes. So, I mean, that's, I think people, it's easy to forget just how much land it covers sometimes. Yeah. So the the Interstate 45 is a total of 285 miles okay. of road. And... Here, during this, it started in the 70s. There were about 30 bodies. I don't know what I was just about to say. (laughs) There were about 30 bodies found within the Killing Fields area. And all of these were girls or young women Mm -hmm. between the ages of 12 and 25. Wow. So... The FBI got involved, of course. It also took place over many jurisdictions. So there was, I believe, there was a total of 12 um, police units. Oh, my God. And again, as we said, in the 70s, -hmm. you know, law enforcement was very territorial. They each had their little jurisdiction. That's what they focused on. This was the fairly early days of there being a lot of cooperation sharing there was no one single clearinghouse for information exactly and almost all of these murders are unsolved there are a couple where people have been convicted of them but a lot of that was confessing while they were already in prison Mm -hmm. 
or being forced to confess by the police because police and we've talked about this we talked about it on monday where police kind of are at this point trying to just close a case right so we start in the 1970s yes when was the most recent victim found she was found on just so we've got our time span september 8th 1991 okay so we've got 20 some years yes which again, no, nope, not... that's not true. Oh, she lied. The <laughs> recent, I did lie. I had it out of order. The most recent body that was found was November 3rd, 2006. I was going to say, I felt like it was more yeah. recent, but my mind isn't what it used to be. But so, well, so. 2006. Okay. So 13 years since the last body has right. been found, has disappeared and been found. because, right. And I'll get to that a little later because that victim did disappear only a few days before she was found okay but we'll get back into that okay. so we're gonna start at the earliest disappearance and this is a 13 year old girl Aww. named colette wilson she was from alvin texas and she disappeared on june 17th 1971 she disappeared on County Road 99 and Highway 6 after she was dropped off by her band director. So they had had band practice and her band director was taking her home. And I, I'm assuming that's just like the agreed place that they would have dropped her and off. And then she walked, walked from the there, rest yeah. of the way. Yes. Well, she never made it home. And her parents ended up going to the police to file a missing persons report. But the police ended up labeling her as a runaway which was very common yes and see time. i know it was super common but i feel like 13 is a little too young to just assume that somebody ran away right well without the help of police her parents formed their own search parties okay. and they searched for about three weeks before the they just kind of started fizzling out they weren't finding anything and so they the people in the search parties just kind of gave up now, next, we have Brenda Jones. She was 14 years old from Galveston, Texas, and she disappeared July 1st, 1971. So this so, almost sounds like we have a pedophile at work. Yes. So this is about a month after Colette goes missing, and she was last seen on her way to visit her aunt, or when she was leaving seeing her aunt, because the bus driver that dropped her off did say that she got there. Mm -hmm. So this was on her way home. Her mom filed a missing persons the night she went missing, but police refused because it was too early. And these later got turned. This The laws here got changed right. later. But it was too soon. They assumed she'd show up, and she did not. The day after she had gone missing, they did find her body. She was found near Galveston Bay near the Pelican Island area and she was nude and she died from manual strangulation her wrists and ankles were bound with shoelaces that were taken off of her sandals so you know they mm -hmm. they have like the right. caesar style mm -hmm. sandals um oh, so her wrists and ankles angel. were bound with shoelaces from her sandals and they found her underwear forced down her throat but the medical examiner figured out that that happened after she died. So he did, that was like a staging sort mm -hmm. of move. Then our next victims 
are Debbie Ackerman and Maria Johnson, both 15 years old, both from Galveston, Texas. And they both disappeared on August 4th, 1971. Now, they were best friends, and they were always together. Their parents said they were inseparable. And they were last seen at an ice cream shop in Galveston. They were hitchhiking, which was not unusual for them. Everyone, mostly everybody who knew them said that it was kind of like a hobby. Mm-hmm. And a girl that worked at the ice cream store that they were last seen at said that she saw them getting into a white van with curtains in the windows and a peace sign sticker on the back. Okay. And they said, she said that the driver was white and a lot older than both Brenda and Maria. Now, the parents of the girls would report them missing as soon as they realized that they had not seen them in a certain amount of time. But the police believed that since they were together, they had just run away. And the police said, quote, they are probably on drugs. And again, just see, and I, I've been on this rant before, but it's been a while <laughs> about these people who sit there and go, you know, and they just want to like whitewash or in this case, I don't know, like just smear all teenagers or all young people in some way, mm-hmm. you know, just say, okay, so some teenagers, you know, part of teenagers being a little bit rebellious or doing this. And so everything that happens is because they're on drugs, they're bad, they're running away. And this is, has been a narrative that has caused so much more pain and destruction in this country than need be. And it yeah. just makes me so angry. So after our next victim had disappeared, they found the bodies of Brenda and Maria. They were found about 10 miles away from where they were last seen. Their bodies were found in Turner's Bayou. They had both been shot and they were both nude from the waist down, their wrists and ankles bound with some sort of cord or shoelace or something of that sort. Now, other than the nudity of the bodies, was there any other hard and cold evidence about sexual assault? No. Okay. We do assume there most of them were sexually assaulted. Okay. Um, but so far, where they disappeared, the areas of where they disappeared disappeared from all along this this corridor. Yes, which they do call this interstate um, the highway to hell. Mm-hmm. And I think for good reason. Yeah, exactly. So they had all disappeared around the same area and they were all found around the same, in the same, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, this this at first was a possible victim for who they believed may be a serial killer in the area. And her name was Gloria Gonzalez. And the sad thing about this is there are some of these victims, and this is not only just for this case, but many others, mm-hmm. Where they're at this point, there's no information on them, right. and so they're kind of just a name on a list mm-hmm. of missing people or people who had been killed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But we don't really have any information or like family. And well, stuff and like I've that. even heard a hypothesis, and maybe I don't want to jump too far ahead into your case here. And it's been a long time. I, I know I've seen a couple of shows about the mm-hmm. killing fields. 
I've, and I think one of the popular working theories is that this isn't just one serial killer, that this area was just maybe a very convenient location for who knows how many to dump bodies. Yeah, so I think that there had to have been, this is almost 300 miles worth of span right. of this this interstate. And they these women all do disappear from along the entire mm. interstate. So I very much think that it's just convenient. Mm-hmm. I think that maybe it started with one person. Although and then I think someone... that might have been a working theory with like the Green River Killer too. So. Yeah. Well, and I'd, same thing with like the Long Island serial killer, mm-hmm. and which is still an ongoing right. thing. And... But as we have also found out in the past, sometimes these freak shows pair up, Mm -hmm. at least for a period of time. Yeah. Which... So what I think maybe happened is maybe one person realized the convenience of it, and that's when they started killing and nothing their bodies. And then other people see it in the news and media and things like that, and they're like, this is a great idea, and now we've got a group of serial... At least... In my eyes, it's at least two or three. Yeah, because well, and I just because some are shot, some are manually strangled. You know, exactly, there's, there's yeah. differences. Mo's. Yes. Well, so Gloria Gonzalez, we don't know much about her. We know she was 19. We know she was from Houston, Texas. She disappeared on October 28th, 1971. And all we really know about her is that she was last seen in her apartment. And in Houston, and her roommate was the one who put in the missing persons report for her. Now, so at this point, we have five missing girls, three bodies, and no one's been arrested. And the communities along this interstate are kind of starting to put pieces together of like something's going on Mm -hmm. something's not right and the communities are starting to panic well on august 4th 1971 so we're going to backtrack just a tiny little bit we have best friends Rhonda johnson and sharon sharon shaw who are both 14 years old from webster texas and they were last seen walking together in Galveston. And then they disappeared. Now, quite a long time later, they were found on January 3rd of 1972. So about five, six months later, they were found. And a fisher had found a skull floating near Clear Lake. And a few, I think it was a few weeks after that, they then found the two bodies of Sharon and Rhonda. And since they had been there for so long, and I mean, it's Texas. It's especially in August. Yeah, especially the Galveston area. Uh Uh-huh. It's hot. It's humid. There's lots of water. So the decomposing process is going to be faster. Right. So by the time they were found, their bodies were too decomposed to know the cause of death. And that's where that ends. Now, I, doing my research on this, had gone in and looked for causes of death, things like that. And then I realized how many victims. Because there are, I think it's about 30 victims total 
we are only on seven. So yeah. I kind of cut down yeah. on the stuff on some of the stuff. And you know, here's the thing: when you're dealing with a cold case, you do put more time and emphasis on the victims. That's like one of the I don't know. You know, I, I'm noticing this as I went through my case, and you're talking about yours. Is we spend more time talking and thinking about the victims rather than the POS who killed them. And I think that's that's what we had planned on doing mm -hmm. in the first place. But get once you start doing research on a lot of these, you realize that most of the information out there is on the piece of shit who killed them. Right. And so we kind of just have to work with what we've got. We got lucky on these cases where we have tons of mm -hmm. information mm -hmm. on the victims. Right. And again, I think it's like, you know, the, the Eula Phillips thing where especially for a long time, and I, as crazy as this sounds, you know, there was a sense of shame if you were related to somebody who was murdered, which is just, I think that's really hard for any of us to wrap our minds yeah, around anymore. Yeah, for sure. But there was that aspect of it. And then also just the aspect that I think a lot of families, you, you want to honor and remember your loved one, certainly, but it's not something that you want to be out there talking about all the time or constantly being reminded of yeah. and having to talk about so. yeah so before we go any further we are going to go to november backtrack tiny little bit okay november 23rd 1971 okay. i'm trying to keep these in much in order as i possibly I can <laughs> and it's hard so well, it's really difficult when you have the disappearances and then they're found in between in, each other. Yeah, yes. you know that really messes up your timeline. It does because a lot of these victims, one had disappeared and then another had disappeared before the other one was found. found, and so it's, it it is hard trying to keep mm -hmm. the timeline together. But on a, on November twenty third, nineteen seventy one, there was a severed head okay. found near Attic's Reservoir. Now, the skull, when they found it, was basically just skull and bone. There was no flesh, no hair. There was nothing else, just the skull. But the rest of her body had been found not long after that, and it still had flesh in on, and it was decomposing at a normal rate. So they were really confused on why her skull was just a skull but the rest and of her body had the killer removed the head or had this happened as part of the decomposition so what the medical examiner found oh, out God. was that the, de the decapitation in the state of the skull was due to animals in the area okay. so as far as we know he did not decapitate her and that body was later found out to be the body of Gloria Gonzalez. Okay. And along with Gloria Gonzalez's body, there was another body found at Attic's Reservoir. And this body was basically just bones okay. at this point. It had fully decom uh, decomposed. Yeah, exactly. And there was no skull. But they did find the bottom jaw. Now, the dental records that they went through, they had been able to identify this body. And this would be the body of 13-year-old Colette Wilson, who disappeared on June 17th, 1971, our first victim that we talked about. Okay. Now, the hardest part about finding her body, 
Now, she was she disappeared in June of 71 and was found in November of 71. So it's been a few months. Now, what we find out later is that her father was a dentist. Her father was her dentist, which technically would have made him the leading expert mm-hmm. when it came to identifying Right, the her, based on her dental records. So her father had to go in and identify his skullless daughter Ugh. with her dental records. And it's kind of unclear on whether or not, because I'm sure they could have gotten another dentist to take her records mm-hmm. and be able to compare. Right. So it's unclear on whether they asked him to do it or if, I mean, I feel like if that was my kid, I would be like, no, I know her. I've been, you know what I mean? Like, I'm her dentist. Like, I know this. Like, I'm the one who's going to know, and I will be the one to do it. So I don't know. You know what I mean? It's kind of up in the air on which way that went. But, so as of right now, all of our our victims who have gone missing, their bodies have been found. Right. So our next, next victim is Allison Craven. She is 12 years old. From Houston, Texas, and she disappeared November 9th, 1971. So these are really child murders for the most part, too, mm-hmm. which I don't think I had prior to this really put together. Like I said, I've heard of this case. Yeah. I have some surface knowledge. That's just making this all the more horrific. And see, once we go further in our victim list, we do get more ages, which also makes me think more than one person. Mm-hmm. I feel like the 12 to 25 is too big of an age age range. Maybe. For yeah. one single person. Yeah. Possibly. You possibly. Know what I mean? But then there's also who's available. Mm-hmm. And as we move from the 70s into the 80s, you know, people do get more cautious. Yeah. About what they let their kids... You know, kids aren't running the streets by the 1990s the way they were in the 1970s. So possibly Mm -hmm. it's just you're being forced. Do you know what I mean? To up your age. I don't know, but... Yeah. Yeah. So Allison's mother reported her missing after she had disappeared from their apartment, which was near I-84... Or I-45. I I almost said (laughs) I-84. Anyway. Um, And they found partial remains early on of her body and then the rest of her body was found three months later in a field in Perland and that was about 10 miles away from her home so she disappeared November 9th of 71 she was found February tw- the, the full body was found February 25th 1972 okay. and we continue with now is there any evidence because to me too I'm wondering is he keeping these girls for a while? Or is it just taking them a while to find the bodies? It's not really talked about. Okay. I don't think police know. Okay. So our next victim is 16-year-old Kimberly Pitchford. She is from Houston. She disappears on January 3rd, 1973. And she is found on January 5th, 1973. So two days later. She was last seen at her high school where she was there for a driving test and her body was found in a ditch two days later. Next, we have Suzanne Bowers. She was 12 years old from Galveston, Texas. She disappeared May 21st, 1977, and she wasn't found for another three years. Oh my God. On March 25th, 1979, 
She was last seen walking between 4000 Block Avenue and 3100 Block Avenue at 10.45 a.m. And her skeletal remains were found about three years later in... Um, I, <laughs> you don't know the area. I skip. Well, I and skipped. that's the other thing. I mean, you know, most of these kids, you know, first of all, we're dealing with children. Mm-hmm. They're all disappearing during the day, mm-hmm. which is just even creepy. You know, I mean, these are just, you would just think, my child can walk a few blocks. Yeah. Or... So next we've got Brooks Bracewell, also 12 years old, from Dickinson, Texas. She disappeared September 6th, 1974, and she her body was found April 3rd, 1981. Oh, man. She was last seen with Georgia Gear on top of a, or at the U Totem convenience store, <clears throat> and which is also off of I-45, as all of these yes. disappearances are. Her remains were identified along with Georgia Gear, who we haven't gotten to her. Okay. Um, in <laughs> going, there was a little excited hand fluttering here. So. <laughs> so then our next victim is Georgia Gear. She was 14 from Dickinson, Texas, also disappeared September 6th, 1974, and was also found April 3rd, 1981. So Georgia and Brooks were found together at this convenience store. And in 1976, some of the, her remains were found by police, but... Due to police neglect, they weren't identified until a new detective took on the case in 81 and re-examined the ditch where they were originally found. That's unforgivable. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can understand that possibly if it were at the beginning of the case. Do you know what I mean? That we hadn't put together that we have a string of disappearances exactly. here. Exactly. That's horrific. Yes. So our next victim is Michelle Garvey. She is, was 15 from New London, Connecticut, which is, she is the first person so far not from Texas. Okay. So was she visiting or? I believe so, yes. Okay. So in, she disappeared in June of 1982 and she was found about a month later in, on July 1st, 1982. She had left her home, possibly through her window. So maybe sneaked out. Mm -hmm. And she is believed to have been hitchhiking, but it is unclear how she ended up in Texas. And her body was found just hours. So she had disappeared on the 30th, 31st, July, does June have 30 or 31 days? June? Yeah. Has 30. So she was, she disappeared on um, June 30th because she was found hours after her death. Okay. Unless she had disappeared earlier than that and she was just gone longer before she had actually died. Um, she was identified. Now, this is cool. So, I don't know if any of our listeners, I don't know if you know, do you know anything about web sleuths? No. It's like this website where people go and they post, it's like a forum. Oh, okay. F- specifically for unsolved murder cases. All right. And she was identified in 2014 after a web sleuth user suggested the match. Oh, wow. Yeah, I do think that the internet has really mm-hmm. helped, probably, in and getting I, some of this info. Yeah, I know there's a lot, a lot of like armchair detectives mm-hmm. who search all of these forums and stuff like that. And they do sometimes really help solve cases. Right. So that was cool. Now... Our next victim is Sandra Ramber. 
She was 14 years old from Santa Fe, Texas, and she disappeared October 26, 1983. She was last seen at her home in Santa Fe, Texas. She was determined to be missing due to the fact that the front door was left open, food in the oven, and her purse and coat were still in the house. Oh, my God. Her case is believed, but it's still not for sure because... I'll tell you why in a second. So her case is believed to be linked to the rest of these murders and disappearances, but her body has still never been found. So we can't say for sure because they have still to this day never found her body. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to need your help with this next name because I can pronounce (laughs) the first one, but after that, it's all up to you. I will give it my best. Haida Villarreal. Sure. Fight. I'm probably butchering that. I mean, you're the teacher, so that's why I have you pronounce the words. That's a Hispanic name, and my Spanish is horrible. So, go. But the double L, you know, I I don't know. It'd be maybe Villarreal or Villarreal, I would think. Something along those lines. Thank you for that. (laughs) Because I could not have pronounced that. But she was 23 years old. So, at this point, she's the oldest of our Mm -hmm. victims. From League City, Texas. And she disappeared October 10th, 1983. And she was last seen at a convenience store off um, West Main Street and Hobbs in League City. And her remains were found on April 4th, 1984. um, uh, Near Calder Road after a dog brought her skull to a nearby house. Ew. Yes. So then, our next victim, we have a lot here. Yeah, we do. Laura Miller, 16 years old, also from League City, City, Texas. She disappeared September 10th, 1984. Here's the other thing I've noticed, too. Sometimes we're getting two or three victims from the same town in Mm -hmm. a very short period. So it almost feels like this person is moving or somehow... In a specific area, does that you know, yeah. like they're not just traveling up and down picking mm-hmm. up people at random, but there's definitely a movement from town to town, location to location. So, these two women were they disappeared almost a year apart from each other in the same city, right? But there are two, and there was the mm-hmm. other two that were also the same town, and mm-hmm. we've had a couple like that now, and you. There's more similarities with these two women than we have caught on yet. So she disappeared September 10th, 1984. She was last seen at the same convenience store that our last victim was seen at a year earlier. Um, She was using a payphone to call her boyfriend. And her remains were found 60 feet away from where the police had found our last victim. And they found her on February 3rd, 1986. So I'm fully convinced these two were murdered by the same person. Mm -hmm. They disappeared from the same exact place. They were found 60 feet away from each Mm -hmm. other, just at different times. So two years apart. There's a clustering here. Yes. And the murders of Laura... And Heidi, I'm going to call her Heidi because I feel like that's how I would pronounce her first name. But the murders of Laura and Heidi and five other women and girls, including two unidentified female murder victims, gave infamy to Calder Road in the fields surrounding it. So they 
I feel like could almost be a the, whole like the a nucleus se- maybe yeah. or, either that or, or just, a separate cluster maybe yes now our next victim I believe we're almost done we only have like four more I think so our next victim is Shelly Sykes she was 19 from Texas City Texas and she disappeared May 4th 1986 she was last seen leaving her job as a waitress on a beach at a beachfront restaurant in Galveston her car was found the next day stuck in mud blood-stained and abandoned on the side of I of an I-45 access road so this was a very different attack as well yes and her family believes that police found a white blouse that belonged to her after one of um one of her convicted kidnappers Gerard Peters Warst drew a map to find her body but she has still never been found so this man has been convicted of killing her okay and he supposedly drew a map to try to lead police to her body but either lied or didn't know what he was talking about so this could be a completely separate case yes that's just in the same area exactly and because her body again still to this day has never been found now we've got Suzanne Renee Richardson. She is 22, so all the all, and again another older victim from Galveston, Texas, and she disappeared October 7th, 1988. She was last seen at her job as a night clerk at a condo building at approximately 6 a.m. Other than witnesses hearing a female screaming. And a lone shoe found in the parking lot. She has never been seen from or heard of again. And her body has also never been found. Now, we, next we have Lynette Bibbs. She was 14 years old from Houston, Texas. She disappeared on February 1st, 1996. And she was found two days later on February 3rd, 1996. She was last seen at a teen club with her friend, who we will talk about in a moment, and a 22-year-old male companion who claims to have dropped them off at a motel in Houston. And then we'll talk about her found body in a moment. The next victim is Tamara Fisher, who who they were last seen together. Uh, Tamara and Lynette were last seen together. Tamara was 15 years old from Houston, Texas. Also disappeared February 1st, 1996, and found two days later. And their bodies were found on the side of a dirt road near Cleveland, Texas. They had both been shot, but police suspected by the police suspect they were killed by different people. Which again we talked about this about this in your case. Why? Why do you believe that? They were together. Right. But the rest of their Of course the police can't always give us all the information all of their reasoning exactly you know what i mean so again and it also plays in so either again ties to possibly you have people working in tandem and maybe the guy like for instance that you talked about earlier that knew where the car was but not the body was he working with somebody else and is refusing you know we just don't know that or he isn't selling them out, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah, because, I mean, they disappeared together. They were last seen at the same place together. They were last seen with the same person together, and he claimed to have dropped them off together, and their bodies were found 
together with the same they died the same way cause of death was the same why do the cops think it was two different people hmm. that makes no sense maybe to me. they have some dna evidence under they might nails yeah or, do you know i mean there's but a lot then of again if here. you think about it them being in a club they're probably gonna have other people's dna on them not under their fingernails you only get the, that from scratching somebody I mean, or but yeah. anyway so i yeah our next victim is laura smither she was 12 years old from Fred Friendswood, Texas. She disappeared October, October sorry, <laughs> April 3rd, 1997. And she was found a little less than a month later on April 20th, 1997. So she told her mom, we've talked about this before too. She told her mom she was going on a 20 minute jog. She is 12 years old. The last one we talked about, I believe it was an 11 year old boy. Who are these children just going on jogs? I know. I mean, it was a different time, but still, like... Not 1997, it wasn't. I mean, honestly, the by, by then, I mean, this whole idea, if you read, you know, over, you know, what people talk about, over-sheltering children, helicoptering, starts in the 1980s because of, like, the satanic panic. That's where everything starts out about, you know, your children are all being satanically abused in daycare centers and... All of that kind of narrative gets started. And yeah, I, I don't know. It's weird, but. I just think that it's weird that these children are like going for jobs. Jobs. <laughs> but she was last seen running down the same street that her home was on. 17 days later, her body was found in a retention pond in Pasadena, Texas. Our next victim is Jessica Kane. She was 17 from Lamarck, Texas. She disappeared August 17th, 1977. 1997, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And she was last seen at a restaurant in Clear Lake, dining with friends around 1.30 a.m. So in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. Well, she's out late. I mean, she's 17. Yeah. Her father's truck, which had been drive, she'd been driving that night, was found abandoned along I-45. And 19 years later, on March 18th, 2016, so that was even sooner. I still got my dates mm -hmm. wrong. So this was three years ago. Her body, her remains were found in a field near, um, next to the Hobby Airport in East Orem Road. Oh. So that was closer than we had expected. Mm -hmm. Now, this next victim is another victim. I really thought we were closer to the done than we... Okay, we are pretty close. <laughs> I thought we were... I thought I was closer to people. So this isn't... This next victim is some kind... Sometimes a victim, but her body was never found. So they... She's a disappearance. Yes. Now, her she also kind of changes up the M.O. a little bit with her age. So this is Tot Harriman. She was 57. Oh, geez. And she was from League City, Texas. She disappeared on July 12th, 2001. She was mapping out a route from League City to Corpus Christi on a mission to find a new home. And she was last seen driving her 95 Lincoln along Highway 35. Neither she nor her car have ever been seen again. 
So she is another possible victim right. because without a body and but fairly anomalous too because yes. of her age yes. and some other issues. So that one's kind of a far stretch for mm-hmm. me to fully be able to count her in this list of victims for the Texas Killing Fields. Next, we have Sarah Trusty. She was 23 from Olga. I don't know. Where's that? Let me look. Um, Algoa. Sure. From Algoa, Texas. Uh, she disappeared on July 12, 2002. After leaving her home during the evening hours of the day, she was last seen riding her bike near a Baptist church in her town. Hmm. The next day on July... Oh, the next day, sorry, her bike was found in the foyer of the church, but it took two more weeks for her body to be found in the Texas City Dyke by fishermen. Hmm. And then we've got Teresa, uh, last name. Venegas? Sure. She was 16 years old from Dickinson, Texas. And she disappeared October 31st, Halloween of 2006. She was last seen walking near a subdivision on Halloween night. And three days later, on November 3rd, 2006, her body was found strangled, raped, and cut in a field across from the Dickinson High School. And we will hear more about some of these victims in a couple of minutes. Okay. So our next victim is Crystal Baker. She was 13 years old from Texas City, Texas. And we're going back a little on timeline here, and I'm not sure why I put it in this order. I actually think I put it in this order because this was the order I found it in. All right. So she disappeared March 5th, 1996. Okay. And she was found March 5th, 1996. So she was found the same day she was killed. And she was leaving her grandmother's house because they were supposed they had supposedly gotten into an argument. Mm-hmm. And Crystal was last seen using a phone at a local convenience store to apologize and ask family to come get her. Right. Two hours later, her body was found. She was raped, strangled, and dumped over the I-10 Trinity River Bridge. And somebody was convicted of this murder, but we will talk about that in a little while. Okay. Our second to last victim is Audrey Cook. She also is is another one I'm a little confused about because of her age. She was 30 years old and she was from the Galveston area mm-hmm. and she disappeared in December of 1985. She was discovered on February 2nd of 1996 um, in on Calder Road next to Laura Miller, who we had talked about earlier. And the coroners estimate that the woman was 22 to 30 years old. So she may not have been 30, but she was in that area. She was five foot five to five foot eight in that she had died six weeks to six months prior to being found. Wow. The woman had a small caliber gunshot wound to the back and she was identified in April. So she was found in 86 but she was not identified until April of 2019. Why did it take so long? Genetic uh, gene, gene, genealogy. Is oh, okay. That, uh, there, somebody was getting family tree DNA right. done and some shit like that. So they were able to identify her just a couple of months ago. Jeez. Now our final victim is 
Donna Prudhomme, and she was from Nassau Bay, and she disappeared sometime in 1991. And she was also discovered on Calder Road, and the coroners estimate that she was anywhere between 24 and 34 years old, anywhere between five foot and five foot three, and weighed 100 to 130 pounds. She died six weeks to several months prior to being found, and she was found on September 8th, 1991, and that is all we know about mm. her. But th- the majority of these girls, there is a nice chunk of them found on Calder Road. Right. And six of them, I'm sorry, I was also looking, six of them were found in pairs. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's six pairings, I guess yes. I should say, is a better way to put that. This is just, my brain is just spinning. Because I'm starting to think there's got to be more, this isn't just one person. No. This is not a single so killer. much. Yeah. So that's a total of 28 victims. And there may be more. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. But at this point, it's almost like anybody found in that almost 300-mile stretch of land. Well, it's actually 50. Like, So you're talking about I-45, but the bodies have all been found along, yes. around, uh, along a 50-mile stretch. Yeah. But they've all disappeared from a 300-mile right, right. Span. Now, one suspect was convicted of one of the murders, and his name was Edward Arnold Bell. He, in 2011, was 72 years old, and he claimed in a 1998 letter that he gave to police that he had murdered 11 girls in Galveston County. And he was said to be like a longtime suspect of these murders. But prosecutors say that they did not have enough evidence to prosecute him. But it says that... Never mind, that's a different man. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We also have another victim, or another suspect, whose Mm -hmm. name is William Lewis Reese. He is 58 years old, from Texas, and he had been named a suspect in four of the murders but charged with three of them. Now, some of these victims are on this list of victims, and some of them are not, which is a little confusing. Right. So he is charged with the murders of Tiffany Johnston, who was not on our list. She was 19 years old. He was also charged with Jessica Kane, who was on our list. She was 17 years old. And Laura Smither, who was also on our list, and she was 12 years old. And he is suspected, but not charged with the death of Kelly Cox, who was not on our list. And he is currently serving a 60-year sentence for kidnapping when he led police to the remains of Jessica Kane and Kelly Cox in 2015. So, so how the hell has he just got a 60-year for kidnapping if he led police to, to the, bodies. the bodies of two people that he killed? Yeah. I don't know. And what I'm confused about is he did not get charged with the death of Kelly Cox, but he led them to her body. Exactly. Very Maybe it was a plea deal or something like that. It might have been. You know, like, I'll plead. But still, fuck that. Yes. Getting to plead to kidnapping, but you lead cops to two murder victims. Yes. 
Granted, with him being 58 with a 60-year sentence, he's not going anywhere. Well. But still, I get why you're upset. Yeah. I do. Because normally I'd be upset the same thing. Yes. I feel like in this situation, roles we have here. switched roles because <laughs> you would have told me the same thing. I know, but yeah. Now, in April of 2012, we have, this is 16 years after one of our victims named Crystal Baker, after she was found beaten, raped, and strangled. She was on our list of, of... Right, I remember. Yes. So, after 16 years after her body was found, a man named Kevin Edin, Edison Smith was arrested and convicted of murdering her. Okay. In 2009, Kevin Smith had been arrested on a drug charge in Louisiana. And about the same time, a detective working on this case tested... Um, Crystal Baker's dress for DNA and it matched Kevin Edison Smith. Okay. So he was charged and sentenced. The jury deliberated for only about 30 minutes wow. before finding Kevin Smith guilty and he was sentenced to life in prison. Well, DNA, I think it's hard to argue with. It I is, mean, yeah. and again, we do have a few cases out there where there were some issues, you know, and things like the Innocence Project. But for the most part, if you have a lab you can trust yeah. and all of that, it's hard to argue. And that is all we have on suspects. Okay. And I know that there were a few other, I put them in air quotes, suspects because they were people who kind of got forced into a confession that right. you, you just, just don't buy I it. didn't even want to put time into researching it because as I was reading, I was like, there's no way. They did this. Exactly. Right. And they may have confessed to it, but you could tell it was just the police trying to maneuver a story mm -hmm. to match what their story was. And I wish I would have had time before, which we, and we kind of talked about this in our little break between recording. I wish I would have had time to watch this, but I found out today that there is a film adaptation. Words are not my friend today. <laughs> there is an adaptation of this, of these events that occur along uh, the I-45 highway. Uh -huh. And this was released September 9th, 2011, and it is called Texas Killing Fields. Now, what caught my eyeball about this, it's not a documentary, it is a film that's loosely based on the on the murders but it's really depicting the the portrayal of like a struggle that the police faced trying to solve the murders okay and they did consult family of some of the victims before doing this which i thought was very cool mm -hmm. because even with it being like a loop loose adaptation it i like that the creators and the writers and stuff did go to the people who really were affected by this right. and talked to some of them. But this stars Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who I love <laughs> with all my heart. So if nobody knows who Jeffrey Dean Morgan is, he played the dad on Supernatural. He was in The Walking Dead. He plays Negan. He's in Watchmen. He was in Watchmen. He was in P.S. I Love You, which most people forget about him in that <laughs> because he was just kind of a sappy love man and not some badass who's killing people. But... He's in so he's in a ton of things. Right. And he's he was in like two episodes of Shameless at one point and then they changed his character, which pissed me <laughs> off. But I I'm going to hopefully today, after I get some Game of Thrones binging 
done, which is only like an episode and a half for the moment. But I'm hopefully <laughs> today going to be able to watch this movie because I'm very interested. I know now I kind of want to watch it too. So. I know A&E did a special. It was a short series mm-hmm. on The Killing Fields. Like a limited series. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time with a lot of A&E stuff because some of the stuff they do is very questionable. They do. They And they make me, it makes me sad because they will really throw integrity out the window yep. to try to be very sensationalist and just draw in viewers. And yeah. I, so I share your pain. I do. I did uh, read an article recently about where A&E was going to do a special on the KKK mm-hmm. and they were going to do it very, not very sensitively mm-hmm. and just kind of, like you said, they needed sensationalists. Exactly. And the woman, oh, her name's going to go out of my mind now. She plays Meredith Grey on Grey's Anatomy. Oh, oh, I know. Ellen yeah. Pompey. Yes, yes. She made like a big deal about it. Good. And was like, this is not, you okay. like need to not do this. This yeah. is not okay. And they ended up canceling it. Good. Because she was like, there's a bad Let idea. Let me guess. They were going to look at both sides of the issue. Fucking probably. I don't know. I mean, honestly, there's bullshit like that that just pisses me off. Yeah. Like, I'm so, you know, I am a huge fan of, you know, fair and looking at both sides. You don't look at both sides when you're talking about fucking Nazis. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, there are some issues. There is no other side as mm-hmm. far as giving it legitimacy. Exactly. So that was cool. So I have a I have a really hard time with A and E on certain things. I think that they could do a lot better. Mm-hmm. And I kind of want to look into maybe on Investigation Discovery to see if they've done anything on the Killing Fields because I think that they are they do much better on these mm-hmm. kinds of things because that's kind of just that's the only thing they do. You know what I mean? Right. And it gets them what they you know what I mean? It gets them what they need. Mm-hmm. And I would love to I did watch a couple of the episodes. This was quite a while ago when A&E did theirs. I had watched a couple of episodes but kind of fall, fell out of it. But I it's a, it's a lot. And it's very similar to the Long Island serial killer. And if nobody, if, mm-hmm. if nobody's heard about that, there's quite a few really good podcasts that go through it. I know True Crime Garage does a, I believe it's like a two or three part thing on the Long Island serial killer. And every once in a while, they'll come in and do a new update because it is still an ongoing investigation that started a a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And then the same thing, anything. There's just a lot of similarities because the United States does have a lot of these isolated stretches of road where it's really just road with like little tiny towns here and there on it. And it's the isolation of these highways and stuff. Well, I have to tell you, like (laughs) my oldest son um, did a, a speech contest here in Idaho where, you know, if he won one level, then we'd have to travel for the next. And uh-huh. <laughs> when he, his junior year, when he won, one of them was held out in Sweet Idaho, which probably very few people even know where that is. It's a tiny little town. And I remember, like, we left, we were traveling up Idaho 55, and then we turned on, I think it was Idaho 26, if I remember correctly. Okay. And I literally turned to him and I looked at him and I said, you know, this is how a lot of horror movies begin. Because we were, we were I mean, we had been traveling through the middle of nowhere. Right. We were still, we had, t- you know, gone on to a 
highway that felt like, you know, some backcountry road. There was nothing in sight. And he was like, shut up, Mom. But I mean, it really felt that way. So, you know, we do, we have this idea that we are so... I don't, and and we are as far as I mean. There's definitely areas where it just feels so horribly overpopulated. There's still a lot of areas in the United States yeah. where you can drive for a very long time, and you get to feel very very isolated. And that can be a good thing, like we talked about. You know, you're going camping, and how nice it is to just get Disappear. away from all the BS, yeah. and you can't get on your phone and. All of that kind of stuff. But then there's also that feeling when you realize it's a reminder that humans are often far more vulnerable than we like to think we are as well. And you know, it's strange because, I mean, we've gone camping my whole life. Mm-hmm. That's just always been part of like my family's mm-hmm. lifestyle. And I remember from even being a young kid, Maybe more when we moved here and it was more mountainous areas and not just like desert and lake. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like when we were in Texas, when we went camping, it was like all lake. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't, and I was too young to be like adventuring out on my own. But once we mm-hmm. moved here and we're going more up into the hills where it's all foresty and it's beautiful. And I started like taking walks by myself and stuff like that. That's when I truly started, like, this has been happening for far too long where one of my biggest fears is I'm just going to be, like, wandering through the forest, yeah. minding my own business, relaxing, and come across a body. Mm-hmm. Because, like, what do you do? And then the same thing, like, with my profession. I I mean, I work at a hotel. One of my biggest fears is walking <laughs> into a room and someone being dead because what do you do? Well, in that case, you just scream and call 911. I mean, there's enough people around. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like, that, the, the hotel scenario is far less terrifying to me than the middle of the forest. And, yeah. But. Yeah, I just, it's, it, Yeah. But then if you, then, like, the fucked up side of my head is, like, it kind of be pretty cool. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, not like I would ever actually want to come across a dead body, but, like, <laughs> it'd kind of be cool. I guess. I don't know about cool, but... Eesh. I feel like with what we do, we would be fascinated. Yeah, we would. Yeah, and then we'd have a case to discuss, and exactly. we'd all be like, ooh. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. But, holy cannoli, this one was long. It was, I, well. And I... I do wish that maybe had I planned this out a little better, we could have done more parts to it to kind of get through. Because I don't feel like we talked enough about the victims, even though that is all we talked about. And I definitely didn't. I know I because I was so excited to get to some of the interesting forensics and, mm-hmm. and the theory about a potential. I think we both probably, had we thought about it ahead of time, been able to sit down and done a couple parts to yeah. each of these yeah, cases. Yeah. And that would have been nice to do. Because but, you know, I have to say, so I have felt that way with almost every one of my cases. I have felt like I'm not doing this justice. I'm not going into enough detail. Mm-hmm. Because that's the thing about these. Like, as you get into this, you start finding all those other little threads, you know, that you want to follow. And you really do realize everything is connected. And there are so many different facets and aspects of each and every one of these that you can get so much deeper in so now what now this is if we have to edit this out i will but i would like to kind of get your perspective along with letting this out to our listeners to get Uh their perspective on it what if we kind of changed it up a little bit on the way we do this to where if when we pick cases because both of us are in the same boat where we know we can get a lot more in depth 
But that would make our episodes extremely long, so we normally would split these up into two parts. What if we maybe did two weeks on a state? Could do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To where we each get more than one part to our episode. Well, I want to. I want to hear what. Yeah. Our I think it really think. depends on the cases that we choose mm-hmm. because, like, for instance, some of mine, the more historical ones, mm-hmm. um, I did run into a lot of brick walls as far as there were a lot of different versions out there mm-hmm. that I definitely could have spent a lot more time covering. Yeah. But as far as feeling like I was on pretty strong ground, I didn't necessarily feel that way. Yours, you know, with this case, and and even with mine. People, there's a lot of people out there that have done a lot more footwork mm-hmm. and given us a lot more firm ground on which to stand that I do feel more comfortable talking about some of those aspects. And I think that, I mean, it could we could definitely do it, set it up, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. case right. by case, a case yeah. by case basis. But I just want to hear what our listeners think about maybe yeah. having more in-depth. Multi-parts. Exactly. Like your so, Kurt Cobain. Yeah, so in my... My have I been? Have you done a two-parter yet? I have just not. me. I think only you. Because I did the Kurt Cobain and the Toy Box Killer. Okay. Yeah, you're gonna need to step it up, man. I know. <laughs> but I just wanted to see what our listeners go on our Facebook page on our discussion group and let us know. I think I might put a poll up and see what everybody yeah, says that'd be about awesome. do that. Enjoying enjoying more than more than one part instead of us trying to squish it all into one episode, splitting it up a little more, and maybe having to spend a little more time. On certain states. Cases, yeah. Yeah. So make sure you go join our discussion group so you can vote in that poll. And make sure that you like our Instagram and our Twitter. Mm-hmm. Which I have not been on for months and I suck and I will get on it. Sorry. <laughs> I've only been on Instagram like once <laughs> in the last couple of months. But so our instagram our twitter if you have any suggestions which we really 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 appreciate and love suggestions because we're both slackers Mm -hmm. and love when people give us ideas and we want we want to tell you guys about what you want to hear yeah so so suggestions are super fun for us and you can email those at stateofcrimepodcast at gmail.com or just message the facebook page whichever one you want to do And if you are listening on an Apple product, make sure you rate and review us. Give us your honesty. We want to know what you think. It helps us a lot. Definitely. And next week, we are going to Ohio. Woohoo! Which shall be fun, hopefully. Yes. I mean, they're all fun. Some more angry than others, but they're all. (laughs) This is what I love. I love all of it. Me too. Until next time. Thanks for listening.